is really easy to be a good manager when everything is going well. It's when the poop hits the fan that your values, beliefs, even your biases come to the surface. And nowhere is that more clear than when you have to initiate a really difficult conversation. And that's what we're talking about today on Experience Leadership. Welcome to Experience Leadership, a podcast that helps small business owners and entrepreneurs just like you dare to be the exception. Join our host, service expert and master of experiences, Mark Hain, as he uncovers relevant and timely content to help you develop your business. So you can take the time to work on your business, not just in your business. Here's your host, Mark Hain. Welcome to this episode of Experienced Leadership. I am so glad that you are here with us. This is where small business owners and entrepreneurs pick up core skill sets to help them work on their business, not just in their business. I am your host, service expert, and master of experiences, Mark Hain. And today, my guest is expert communication coach, Mike Garska. We will be talking about how you can initiate and have those really difficult conversations while ensuring the psychological safety of the person you're addressing and meeting your goals and aspirations at the same time. Grab a notepad and pen because today we are going to be reviewing the seven-step framework to having those difficult conversations. And we'll get to that in just a moment. In the meantime, feel free to subscribe to this channel. I'd love to make absolutely sure that you don't miss a single episode as it is released. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and let me know what you think of today's episode. I'd love to get a review from you. Let me know what you think. And even more importantly, if you think this is of value and you know somebody who could use this information, why don't you go ahead and share it? Share the knowledge that you have to help make other people better. I remember I had a really difficult conversation I needed to have with one of my employees. The employee was smart, articulate, and extremely domineering. She was also a huge cancer on my team that I needed to address. I remember that the night before our meeting, I lost a lot of sleep just thinking about the meeting, just thinking about what I wanted to say. To be honest, I didn't really care for this person, but I wanted to make absolutely sure that I was fair in every aspect of my encounter with her. I wanted to make sure I was treating her as if she was my best friend. And as I drove into work that day, I thought to myself, how I deal with this employee will reflect the kind of manager, the kind of leader that I was. And that brings us to our question of the day. So on a scale of one to five, how well do you handle having those really difficult conversations? I'd love for you to be part of this conversation. As I mentioned, I'd love to see your comments. One to five, one being really poor, five being really great. How do you handle difficult conversations? And then maybe put in why you ranked yourself like that. What makes you comfortable or what makes you uncomfortable about it? My guest today is an expert business communication strategist. Mike Garska has spent the last 20 years coaching and consulting for family businesses and intact teams all over North America. As a serial entrepreneur himself, he knows that being able to say the right things at the right time to the right people is really key to his success. Mike, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Well, it's great to be here, Mark, and thank you for having me. I'm excited to have a chat with you. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's going to be awesome. Before we get into today's topic, could you dig a little bit deeper and tell me 
or tell our audience, how do you serve your clients? We serve our clients by helping them put in the systems and strategies needed for year after year after year growth to take advantage of their biggest asset, which is their people. Mm. You know, we don't succeed without a team. There's no goal that's ever achieved of any significance without the help and support of a team. And really, in a business, I, I, I think that I see it as a mastermind group. So any business is a mastermind group with a collective objective. And Napoleon Hill said, whenever two or more minds come together, a third invisible intangible force likened to a third mind is created. Well, our business creates a third mind unto itself. And any hindrance to that third mind is people not feeling good or feeling disrespected or feeling confused or not sure what to do or not having clear expectations. And that all affects the effectiveness of that third force or third mind of our business. And within that business, our sales team is a mastermind unto itself, creating sales. An accounting team is its mastermind, you know, collecting and spending money. Our shipping and receiving team is a mastermind group, you know, doing fulfillment. And so not only do these mastermind teams work independently, but they have to collectively come together as a group. And that management team that leads those people when they are cohesive, when communication is healthy between departments, and when people are able to resolve their issues, because stuff happens, things don't run smoothly every day. And so when those issues come up, being able to deal with them very quickly and in a positive framework, without blaming, without shaming, without, you know, by keeping it safe is critical. And whenever we have any member of a team that's feeling disgruntled in any way, that affects our profits in some way. That person is not fully engaged. So if they're responsible for the cost part of the business, they're not caring as much. If they're responsible for the sales side of things, they're not caring as much because they're not feeling like they're cared about. And people's natural response, when somebody doesn't care about me, I don't care about them. That's a natural response. Now, a strong leader can move past that and get into that positive frame of mind. There's something going on here. We can fix this. But that's not the natural response of people. When we're feeling disrespected, we tend to disrespect the other person. Yeah, we, and we shut down. And it's interesting that you said that because, of course, all the engagement surveys out there are saying that 60% of the working population is actively disengaged in their jobs. When you see that you only have 15% of the working population in North America are highly engaged, and that's just really scary. And then as I was doing research for this particular show and, and this particular topic, the quote came across, people quit their bosses, not their jobs. And I can't help but wonder how much of that interaction has to do with communications. Yes, there's biases and values, but what about the communication aspect of it? Absolutely. Well, you know, many people are not conscious of how they're affecting others. And even though our intention may be good, the effect because of our word choice or our selection of body language or facial expression or tone of voice will have a negative effect that we didn't intend. Having said that, is the, it's the effect that matters when we talk about, you know, diversity and inclusion and that kind of stuff. It's the same thing. They talk about it's the effect that matters more than the intent. 
And so we have to be tuned into what effect we're having on our team as a leader. And the only way to truly tune in to that is to have open dialogue. And that can happen in many different ways. Yeah. You know, I do know that when I've talked to managers and I've talked to CEOs and so on, and they just shrug it off and they go, communication is great. And yet you talk to the employees and they say, communication is siloed. It's like, you know, we know what we're doing, but we have no idea what the rest of the organization is doing. And then somebody comes to us and they tell us they need this and they need that. And, and it just, you could see visually the effects of that stress. Are there signs that communication is ineffective that leaders should be on the lookout for? Your basic signs are employee turnover. If there's a high employee turnover, there's issues. That's first and foremost. But the other signs are profits aren't where they should be. Efficiencies aren't where they should be. If anybody's that, you know, that's people are missing work and people are using all their sick days, those are signs that communication isn't strong. If people are doing rework often or dropping the ball or making mistakes, that's a sign communication. There's a problem with communication. Poor customer service. You get lots of customer complaints. It's all about communication. And that could be from the actual individual providing that service, or it could be a, a result of a chain reaction. If a person is not feeling on top of things, if they're feeling disrespected in any way, if they've had some kind of a, you know, a bad situation at work that they're not sure even what the cause of, that is going to affect their ability to serve. So there those, you know, the big one is the staff turnover, but the subtle ones are poor customer service, lower sales, costs under control. All of those things are affected by how we communicate with our people because it's our people that as a team, like I mentioned earlier, help us control our costs or help us provide service to our customers or make those extra sales. Yeah. And often the owners and the senior manager aren't aware. And so in my opinion, we need things in place that will show us when those negative feelings are prevalent. Often work groups are talking about the poor leadership amongst themselves. But the managers don't know about that. The owner doesn't know about that. And if we don't have mechanisms in place to find that out, then we're not aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're mentioning this system. So I'd like to really dig into the idea of what systems need in order to be effective. And we'll get into that right after this. When you're delivering an important speech to a huge audience, it's easy to lose your place or go way over time. Give yourself an advantage with the Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app. No more checking your watch or calling for time. The Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app keeps you on track with easy-to-see timers, even changing color for visual prompts during your speech. And you can set audio cues to practice or set it to vibrate so you don't even have to look. Be the pro you know you are. Download the app at speakerpresentationtimer.com. Welcome back. I am speaking with expert communication coach, Mike Garska. Mike, as we're talking about this, you know, where I could really see how, you know, this, this idea of communication kind of stirs the pot of dissatisfaction. You mentioned it affecting, you know, things like our sales and our profits and so on. But it's a contributing factor. Uh, I think uh, overall, I think there's, there's an overall cultural definition that needs to be done as well? Like that communication is just one part of that? Or is that a driving force? 
I think communication is actually a driving force in that it's, uh, you know, we're social beings and at work, everything we do is social. Even, even, even if we're sitting on the computer, we're still in some way we're affecting other people. The invoice we make up when people read it affects them. If it's, you know, I mean, that's a kind of a poor example, but everything that we do is about interacting. Right. And when people feel like there's good connection, they work harder. Right. You know, when they feel like things are clear, like expectations are clear, they work harder. Yeah. We've talked at length on this show about strategic plans, the importance of strategic plans for different aspects of one's business. And I get a sense that this is no different for communications. What kind of systems do leaders need to have in place in order to effectively create internal and external communications that are going to be effective to them? First thing we need to do is have systems in place so we can find out about things that are holding our business back or holding our people back in some way. And one of the things that I notice when I go into businesses is many of them lack an effective two-way communication system that is consistent with employees. And so one simple system that you can put into place, most companies do employee performance reviews, yes? Yes. You know, at different intervals, it depends on the company. Well, the first thing that we do with organizations is structure their performance reviews so that when the employee is getting his or her performance review, they have a simple one-sheet form that they fill out, which gives the company a performance review at the same time, as well as their leader. And so it's a simple one-page form that we have each employee, when they do their performance review, they actually give the company a performance review on the training, on the communication, on the leadership, and you know that kind of stuff, a quick review. And then those forms are confidential. They're sent to the senior management, and they use them as coaching tools for the manager. So there's a feedback loop in there. The other thing that we set up in our systems is we do annual performance reviews for departments. And again, we insert feedback loops in there so that the managers of the department get feedback on what they can do better. And in that process, they set goals for themselves on something they're going to do better next year. And we even go right to to the senior management. What could have you done better to support this department last year? And we ask everybody in the meeting what that senior manager could have done better to support that department. When uh, we ask the lead, the department manager or the department assistant manager, what's the one thing you could have done better to support your team this year? They give that. And then we ask the other people in the meeting, what do you think that manager could have done better? And that feedback loop allows for the manager to set good, strong goals and they get better year over year over year. So those feedback loops are critical in your performance reviews. It's a great opportunity to get that information and you find out where your weaknesses are in your leadership, where your weaknesses are in your systems for training, for communications, for customer service, that kind of stuff. So it's about getting that feedback. The other way that you can do that, there's two, actually three, three spokes here. One is every one or five or 10 years, do an employee satisfaction survey, a detailed employee satisfaction survey, 50 to 75 questions, and find out the things that your employees perceive that are hindering the performance of the company. And typically, if you do one and it's not good, the first one, you might want to do a second one within a year after you've made some changes and see if you're on the right track for improvements. But once you're in place and your retention rates are good and things are going smoothly, every five years to do a quick check-in is a good idea. And the third thing that you want to do 
is consistent. Make sure every individual in your company is in a consistent scheduled meeting. They follow a consistent agenda. And in those meetings, one of the things that I hear often about meetings is we do these meetings and nothing ever happens. We do these meetings and we go off track and they're a waste of time. One of the things that people often that I witness when I go in and watch a company doing their general manager's meeting, for example, they come up with all these ideas and they write them down, but nobody goes away with an action item. And the companies that excel, anytime a new idea is brought up in a meeting, an action item is created, it's assigned to somebody, a date for either a progress report or completion is, is given. And then it's written in minutes and every, so if you're doing your meetings once a week or once a month or daily, whatever they are, you review last meeting's minutes and everybody has to become accountable to their action items. And so adding that little item of action items for any new idea that comes up is a real lifesaver for businesses. Yeah, I could see that it turns it from being just a smoke in the clouds idea to actually being a concrete doable action. Yes. Yeah. And when you get the report back, maybe, you know, hey, this idea doesn't work, so take it off the list. That's cool, you know, but at least somebody's going forward with it. Yeah. And it's really important. So uh, consistent meetings with make sure there's action items and keep those meetings simple. Uh, you want to follow the consistent agenda, you know, old business, new business, round table, get out of here. All right. Instead of, you know, and, and the new business is obviously, you know, a list of things that you bring up that are new for this week or this month or whatever the meeting right. schedule. Well, and I think they, you know, when you say about new ideas and that sort of thing, well, I think that brainstorming sessions are much different from meetings. And I think at the same token, that might be another cog in that wheel is that, you know, instead of bringing up new ideas in meetings, you could use brainstorming sessions to get much more effective ideas on the table. Well, when a new idea comes in, then you assign a, what I call a task force, a team, and they, they go out and do their brainstorming session or their masterminding session. And then they report back to the main meeting. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you, you want to keep that brainstorming. I mean, out of the meetings in general, because they just drag them on then. Yeah, takes it really off track. Mike, this is really great. For people listening in on this, how could they get a hold of you if they want to call you up and pick your brain or see what you're up to and see how you can help them? Our website uh, primary is successtoolchest.com. And there, there's a, you can go through contact us, but there's also a link there where you can book a free 45 to 60 minute business communication strategy session. I specialize with uh, companies that have work groups of at least 20 or 25 people. I uh, don't usually, uh, well, I, I, I don't work with people, uh, companies that have less than that because our specialty is getting that team to, you know, come together and, and work collectively. So uh, that's the best way to get a hold of me is through the website. Perfect. You know, you were mentioning you're mentioning the idea of doing um, effectively 360 evaluation where the employees have to bring in their comments and such. Part of the challenges I've seen is in many organizations, the trust is so low where you have this, what we talked about at the very beginning, all this dissatisfaction, disengagement, and so on, that you also have a very low level of trust. How important then is it for organizations to bring in third-party contractors to come in and do some of the evaluation processes? I think that really helps with building trust because, first of all, your employees see that you're committed to making things better, that they see that you understand that they're afraid to be open and honest. 
And so by bringing in that third party, that mediator to, you know, decide what or to make sure that the feedback that they gather is anonymous so that the people feel safe sharing. Yeah. So that third party person provides that bridge so that people can still stay on their own side of the bridge and feel safe, share it. And then the facilitator or consultant or whoever you, whatever you want to call it, can make that information more generic and not tied to one individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and typically you're going to see patterns once you start this process. This week. You're going to see patterns and it's not going to be just one person bringing up the concerns that are truly or the issues that are truly holding the company back. Yeah. I can't help but wonder what are the virtues like humility and ego? How do those come into play when leaders need to communicate effectively? Well, I mean, humility is critical. Understanding that, you know, yes, I, I bring skills to the team, but so does everybody else. And being humble to know that I'm not the only one that is having effect of uh, my department. It's the entire department that is contributing to the success of, to my success as a leader. Without my team, I can't be successful. And so being humble enough to know that I require the full support and buy-in of my team is really, really critical. And if, if we live in that ego space that without me, this team is nothing, is really not healthy. And in the end, it disengages your people and you're not getting the productivity that you could get. So uh, humility is critical. That, that genuine sense of curiosity is very, very important. And it's an important aspect of humility. What's going on for the other person? Because the truth is, I don't know. You know, that, that is the truth. In When we te we're teaching people the contact framework for navigating difficult conversations, the first step, the first C in contact stands for communicate with yourself first. And we walk people through uh, the human interaction process, the process that we all communicate in as humans, to get aware and realizing that our human interaction process, which is a five-step process, when we're communicating, you and I, as we're having this conversation, we're both, first thing that happens is one of our five physical senses kicks in. So in most cases, we're seeing and hearing things in, in this situation. So I see or I hear something. As soon as that happens, an emotion is triggered in our body. And we know that the emotion is triggered before the thought and it triggers in the lower amygdala part of the brain. Daniel Goleman and his people figured that out using scientific information. As soon as that feeling is triggered, almost instantaneously, a thought pattern is also triggered. And we begin to think about what we're feeling and what we just witnessed. And as soon as we go through that, and this happens in milliseconds, as soon as we go through that thought, emotional sense process, we gain an intention. We decide we want something. And this happens in every human interaction process. And from that intention, we choose our action. We might speak words. I'm using my hand gestures here. You know, we might be silent. We might walk out of the room. But we go through that process. And that human interaction process is an automatic process for every individual. And it's as unique as our DNA. And it happens as a result of everything that we've taken in from birth until this moment right here, right now. Okay, so because no two people take in the exact same information, no two people are going to have the exact same automatic human interaction process response. And when we're navigating 
a conflictual situation. Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, says seek first to understand, then to be understood. And so the first step in contact is communicate with yourself first, find out what's going on in my hip, my human interaction process. Second step is to share a little bit about that. Third step is, so that's opening up, sure and wise, we're sure what's going on for us. The third step is noticing the other person and finding out about their human interaction process. And that's ties back into being, you know, humble. Yes, there's two people in this conversation. Two people matter. And I'm not going to be able to influence this person because when I'm having a difficult conversation, I want to influence the other person to change in some form, right? So basically, I was selling the the other person on the idea of changing. And I can't affect change without first understanding where the other person is at. So I've got to find out, i got to notice the other person, understand them thoroughly before I can start to have that influence. And so it's it's critical that we notice the other person. And I see in that intention part of the human interaction process where we want something to happen, we want to influence somebody in almost every situation. I see that as actually a sales process. So every human interaction is actually a sales conversation. I mean, if I look at a, a magazine and I see Trip to Jasper and I go home to my wife and I say, geez, let's, you know, I saw this thing in the magazine let's go to jasper well i'm selling her on the idea of going to jasper and brian tracy one of the top sales trainers in north america throughout the late 1900s said that when we're selling the best salespeople focus their energy on the other person not on themselves or the product it's the same thing in any communication and interaction we focus on the other person what's going on for them and if we want to influence them. And we don't focus on ourselves and our wants and our needs. So notice the other person quickly is the end in contact. T means tune in to actively listen. And in the full program, we give you 17 tips for active listening. But basically, snap on, face the speaker, turn off external, the internal chatter and the external you know, uh, distractions. So that's tuning in. The A in contact stands for ask again, clarify. And that's about, there's three different types of empathy. There's, we want to validate each person in that ask again process. Get it clear, get clear understanding of what each person is thinking, feeling, and wanting, and not wanting. Okay. And then the C in contact, the second C stands for common intentions. So we focus in on that intention part of the human interaction process. And at work, it's actually quite easy to find common intentions. We're both here because we need food and shelter. So we're both here to make money. We're both here to serve our customers. Most people want to do a good job, so they keep their job. So we're both here because we want to serve our customers well. What's hindering that process? And so as we talk about common intentions, solutions will naturally appear. And the second, the last T in contact stands for take it next level, agree on the solutions, assign action items, walk away because it's a meeting, assign action items for each person, and then do your follow-up. And that's the contact framework. Now, I mean... You know, I gave it to you in 10 minutes here. It's five hours of video training because we go into details of specific words to use, specific words not to use, how to, you know, express your body language, your facial expression, your tone of voice, so on and so forth. Yeah, I love that. And, and, and again, you know, the contact framework that you just outlined for us is like drinking from a fire hose. 
you know, one of my biggest fears when people watch stuff is that I get a sense that some people just want to, they get some new information and go, oh, okay, that's the secret to my success. So I have to implement this right away. So I'd like to get into some cautionaries of kind of applying the learning that people are getting today. And we'll get to that right after this. Every day you perform, maybe not on a stage in front of a captive audience, oh, thank you, thank you, but in your business, whether you know it or not, you are performing. Thinking about your business like you have to go out there and put on a perfect show can help create long-lasting success. And you can find out the secrets how in the new book, Lights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater. Author, speaker, actor, and business coach Mark Hain breaks down how you can craft a solid foundation, rehearse before you ever serve your first customer, and take action to provide an experience worthy of a standing ovation. Mark's experience running casinos, restaurants, and hotels, as well as his time in live theater, has been preparing him to help put the spotlight on your business and give it its time to shine. Order his book, Lights, Camera, Action, today at your favorite online store or directly at markhane.com. That's M-A-R-C-H-A-I-N-E.com. Welcome back. I am speaking with Mike Garska, and we're talking about having those really tough conversations, those really tough communication challenges that organizations have. And and Mike just talked about his seven-step framework, the contact framework for communication. And so just to summarize it real quick, Mike, could you just go over them one more time, what the acronym means? Real quickly. First, see in contact, communicate with yourself first, become self-aware. O in contact, open up sure and wise Sure, making sure you know exactly what's going on for you because you've just communicated with yourself. Wisely, using the proper I statements and using the word you properly. The N in contact stands for notice the other person quickly. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. So uh, ask about their human interaction process. The T in contact says stands for tune in. Once you've asked, listen. Take the time to actively listen. Tune in to them. The A in contact stands for ask again. Once you've listened to them, we got to make sure we've got it right. Interpretations happen in almost every single conversation. People interpret words differently. People see different things. They even see different words if they're reading things on paper sometimes. So you've got to ask again and clarify. The C, second C stands for common intentions. And focus in on the intentions part of things. Look for the common intentions at work. It's not so difficult. We're both here to give good service to our customers, whether those are internal or external customers. And in a business, everybody's serving a customer. An accountant is serving the sales manager, the shipping and receiving manager, giving them their numbers so they know what's going well and what's not. So anyway, focus on that customer service. We're here to serve customers in that common intention part of things. Solutions will naturally appear And then take it next level simply means agree on solutions, write them down, make sure that both people walk away with action items of what they're going to do as a result of this conversation, and then do your follow-up and your check-in and make sure that things are going well. So that's the team contact, take it next level. You mentioned that this is part of a five-hour course that you have. Could you talk a little bit about that? Contact 2020 is a five-hour pre-recorded course, and it's supported by weekly live Q&A coaching sessions. So you get 12 months of Q&A because habit, how we talk and how we communicate is a habit. And habits are only replaced or changed by replacing them with new habits. And that takes practice. And people aren't even aware of when they're using the wrong words in the wrong situations. 
And so you, you can only learn that by getting constant support, brainstorming and, and that kind of stuff. Mike, one of the challenges I see or constantly is this idea that people will get a new idea and they'll go, oh my God, I need to get this. I need to kick this off right away in my business because this is such a good idea. If we could get those seven things together, it'll be really great. What are the cautionaries to applying this kind of information? Actually, any cautionary, I got to share this one with you because I can't remember where I learned this, but it's been part of my philosophy for at least 20 years, 15, 20 years. Whenever we have a really, really good idea, sit on it for two weeks. If it's truly a really good idea, it will still be a good idea in two weeks. And, you know, now there are times, okay, where, okay, I was in the cell phone industry for nine years. I owned three stores. And there were times where you can't afford to wait two weeks. So the major competitor throws a deal out there. And if we wait two weeks, we're going to lose our market share or part of our market share. So you've got to respond quickly and wait two weeks. So I, that's one of my go-to mottos when it comes to a new idea. The other one is I'm a big believer in masterminding. So when I get a really good idea, pull in my four top business mastermind or business mentors and have a mastermind session. Now, if I can't get them all into one room, now we can do Zoom. But if, if we can't even get them all together at the same time, I can just have a quick one-on-one -on -one session with all four of my business mentors and then take all the information and assimilate, assimilate it together and do that. But do a quick mastermind session. That four people in a mastermind group or a task force or whatever you want to call it is just a very powerful number. And make sure that at least one of those people in our mastermind group is a devil's advocate. Well, look at both sides and point out, hey, man, what if you do this and this happens? This ain't going to work. You want to have that devil's advocate. So we, we get full perspective of the best way to do things. And so I think back the, the person that introduced me to masterminding and Napoleon Hill, and he actually, we got right into it. We talked about it a lot. And he actually did a, had this, I don't know what you call it. It was like a trance, a, a channeling or something. But he came up with this formula and he wrote, a, there was a little booklet that he'd written all this information down. But this really sticks out in my mind. Four wise men close and two distant make up the nucleus of your mastermind. And I learned that in my early 20s and I've used it throughout my business career. So I use four business mentors. If I have an idea, I go to my four key mentors and I discuss that issue. And then I use two people that are a little bit more removed. So in a business, we have a four-person mastermind. Let's say it's me, the owner, the general manager, maybe the sales manager, and maybe the accountant. And then for the outside guys, I might want to bring in a business coach or a lawyer or an outside accountant and get those two outside perspectives. And when you brainstorm and mastermind with some and having a one person that's a devil's advocate, you can truly come up with a really strong plan to implement any new idea. So don't do it all on your own. Wait two weeks if, you know, unless it's a, you know, it's a reactionary thing to a competition and you're going to lose market share. You don't have two weeks. Okay. You get your mastermind team together right now and you respond in 24 hours. I, I just remember doing that, you know, with, with in the cell phone industry because it was moving so fast. But that's the cautionaries with those new ideas anyway. Nice. Mike, this has been such a great conversation. Do you have any last thoughts about what we've talked about today? The only thing I would say, and it brings me to the, a quote from Warren Buffett that I often use, and it's basically, if 
you want to double your value and double your wealth, enhance your communication skills. The one sure way to double your value and your wealth is to become a better communicator. Nice. Fantastic. So many resources out there as well, including your course and the link to that will be in the show notes. This is all the time that we do have for today. Could you remind everybody one more time how they could get a hold of you? SuccessToolchest.com, SuccessToolchest, one word, or dot com. And anybody that uses the code MarkHain, one word, will get a 50% discount on the contact program. It has to be used within 24 hours. And that includes 12 months of weekly support. Or you can go there and book a free 45-minute strategy call for those people that have businesses of 20 more employees. And I'm happy to help you for within, for an hour. Just tell me your biggest challenge and you and I will figure out how to fix that together. So nice. SuccessToolChest.com, book a 45-minute call. It's on the main landing page, a link for that call. Thank you very much. And thank you so much for giving my name value. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. It's been great having you, Mike. And it's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me, Mark. Uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. As always, my offer stands. If you would like 30 minutes of my time to brainstorm your business with you and your team, please feel free to book yourself on my online calendar. The link is down below in the show notes. It is meetme.so slash As always, I am at your service. And oh, yes, don't forget to mark your calendar for November 5 and 6. We will be hosting the Fall 2021 Audacious Leaders Summit. It's months away at this point, but put it in your calendar and check it out. You can check it out at audaciousleaderssummit.com. And if you haven't done so yet, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to this feed? That'll give you first dibs whenever I bring you fresh content that will help you work on your business, not just in your business. My name is Mark Hain. I hope you stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership. Make sure you visit MarkHain.com where you can subscribe to iTunes or by RSS so you'll never miss a show. Or go directly to MarkHainLive.com to watch the video edition of this podcast. While you're at it, if you found today's content valuable, please give us a rating on iTunes. Or you can share it and tell your friends all about the show. As Mark says, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. Be sure to tune in each week for the newest episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception. <laughs>